Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We bring you the very best recorded panels, workshops, and seminars concerning role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible by the generous contributions of the panel speakers and double exposure with their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Episode 108. Art for your game without breaking the bank. Recorded at Metatopia 2015. Presented by Jack Para, Scott Bowman Chester, John Carimundo, and Brennan Reese. I figure uh, best just to start by introducing ourselves and our experience. Um, I'm Brennan Reese. Uh, I work primarily for Bully Pulpit Games. I freelance for a lot of uh, indie RPGs and story games. Um, also a professional graphic designer for uh, formerly Evil Corporations, now for Auburn University. Uh, I Lots of uh, illustration, graphic design, um, have lots of very strong opinions on uh, like graphic design and illustration for role-playing games, which, uh, you know, um, I, I will share those opinions with you. Uh, I also like to be paid well uh, for my illustration, so yeah. I'm, I'm an interesting person to be on this panel. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Well, I like to be paid well. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no wonder you know Chapel Hill. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well uh, you know, our artists. Are, 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 sometimes sacrifices. Yeah. Well, art, artists tend to undervalue their work a lot of yeah, times. So you know, like so people, they don't, they, they, they're not, they're not in it for the money, and so it's, it's hard. For, so as a graphic designer, I am in it for the money, and you know, I consider myself a graphic designer who draws, and uh, so I have no problem like charging a, an hourly rate based on an estimate. Whereas my wife, who does these amazing paintings, she'll do this, you know, five or six figure family portrait and charge a couple hundred bucks for it. And, you know, that's a really common problem. These amazing artists, there's, and it's really hard to, like, quantify something aesthetic like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I usually do it by how much hours it takes me. Right, yeah. 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 And not wanting to make under minimum wage. <laughs> Um, my name is Jack Para. I've done a couple uh, small press jobs here and there. I've done uh, some interior illustrations and uh, map work for Metal Magic and Lore for Fifth Epic pu- Publishing. Uh, I've done uh, a couple cards now for uh, Shoot Again Games, uh, including Conspiracy, which I'm working on now. And, uh, yeah, that's about what I do. <laughs> I'm Scott Bowmanchester. Um, I'm fairly new to the to the ball game. Um, I I do a lot of uh, mural work, and and I actually was got the honor of doing the Dexacon T-shirt this year, so on a whim. So it's been actually really kind of neat to do it and uh, experience the experience that realm. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun yeah it's a fun intro. <coughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did also did the. Uh, the t-shirts for Dexcon uh, 15 mm-hmm. and uh, 16. Yeah. Okay, so I figure we'll kind of touch on some points and, and field questions as they go. It seems to work the best way. Mm. 
start out with something and then the questions lead to what the audience wants to know. <laughs> um, so I figured about, uh, we'll, we'll start with the basics. This is, uh, you know, I've said this in other panels, but, you know, pay your artists. <laughs> You'll get better work if mm -hmm. you pay your artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, um, and exposure is not pay. Because most people who are offering exposure for pay are not really offering exposure. They're offering what they think is exposure. But if you don't already have a publisher, it's not really worth anything. Those <laughs> aren't exposure. No. Yeah. So, you know, even if you just, you know, f a, a good way to find, to keep your art price down is to pick and choose where to spend your money. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, the best, the most important part of a game of a game uh, art is your cover, because it's what draws your eye, the right. eye to your product to begin with. So that's where you're going to want to spend the bulk of your your money, and then you can use smaller pieces inside or stock art. Or right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and the other thing is, if if you're not experienced uh, as an artist, or you're not experienced as a graphic designer, um, or, or or marketing, uh, maybe you should talk to someone who's published a few books and get them to help you. Because what you like is not necessarily what the market will like or what will work well. Um, I somehow ended up doing a lot more graphic design than illustration these days, and uh, people will come to me having already sourced the art out. And um, a lot of times it's unusable, because the artist, they may, they may be able to draw or paint really well, but they don't know how to produce files for print. And they don't know about, you know, uh, like trim and safe area. And they don't know things like the most important part of a cover design is the title. And so they'll do these crazy ornate paintings, and there's nowhere to put the title without destroying a major part of the composition. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and that's a big waste of money because, you know, like, uh, um, I think on Night Witches. Uh, we had some really great paintings that would have looked great. We ended up using them as a centerfold instead of the cover uh, painting, and a lot of the the other art we just couldn't use because, well, it was created before I was brought in to do the design. Um, and so you really kind of have to think about it as being unified and uh, part of the composition. Um, so in a lot of ways, if you want a really professional product and you want to compete with the big names, um, you should really at least have a friend, uh, you know, talk to some people about art direction and learn a little bit about art direction and uh, so that you don't end up spending money on something that is not <coughs> as useful as it could have been. And I think communication with your artists is mm -hmm. really key. Right. Because they, they're not going to know to make that space because they're, they're not going to know where you want your logo or your thing. Exactly. If you don't communicate that yeah, or, you exactly want it. Or if you end up hiring someone like me for a lot of money, uh, <laughs> then uh, um, th what I'll do is I will I will like work very closely with the artist and we'll do thumbnails together. Um, and another thing that I've seen a lot, which is going to frustrate the hell out of your artist, is uh, you telling them what to do. You know, in terms of like like kind of micromanaging. I want this and I want this and I want this. And remember, the reason you're hiring them is because you love their art, and you need to trust them. You need to let go 
and let in uh, I know as as an artist as a designer um, I I charge a bullshit fee uh, so if the person gives me freedom to express myself and the, I, I feel that I have a lot of buy-in I will charge less because I kind of consider as a well this is this is a book of my art with some role-playing game in it mm-hmm. you know so you know the just little things to take into consideration yeah but that, that's you know a good point that being clear with your communication with your artist uh, a strong concept to begin with will lessen the overhead of having to redo things or, or stuff like that. That's where you really can lose money is when you have mm-hmm. to redo something. Oh, um, right. Always get thumbnails ha- and sketches. Have specific sizes ready for your artist before they start. So they know dimensions so they don't end up doing the wrong shape and yeah. then have to redo everything. Mm-hmm. So they can give you a file. So they can give the graphic designer yeah. a file that's prepped and ready to go, not too small resolution, right. not needs to be skewed different sizes. All stuff that can add to redos, which are yeah. I, I usually ask us. for um, about half again as much resolution as I need, so that as a designer I can resize and crop things. Um, also, we ran into some problems with some beautiful art that was uh, the illustrator um, was a comic artist and everything was very boxy. And so I prefer to get our, like, you know, spot illustrations that are, uh, you know, going to fill in blank parts of pages. Make it, a spot illustration shouldn't have a border around it. You want the text to be able to flow. If you want a border around it, you can put it there. But if the background is built in and there's a rectangle around it, that severely limits what you can do. So there are, you know, like 15 or 20 beautiful pieces of art that aren't able to be used because they're they're you know not the right resolution and you know yeah. they're but um, yeah be sure that um, you do know that the person you're working with knows about graphic design at least they've they've dealt with that kind of thing before or be willing to teach them or you know learn a lot with them and learning along with them is very expensive yeah always have your artist have what's called a bleed which is excess art on the edge mm. that can be trimmed off Right. Because mm-hmm. when you go to print, they're usually going to trim off and stuff right. like that. Right, you're going to miss stuff on the um, outside. Which is like a minimum of an eighth of an inch for a paperback. But if you're going to have a hardback version, it's usually about three quarters of an inch. So I would suggest going even more. Um, about inch, inch and a half of stuff that will probably be cut off. And if you're going to have a wrap, if eventually you want to do a hardback version, it's going to wrap around. Um, the other thing that I run into a lot is um, so if you're taking a photograph of someone, there's a, a big deal with tangents. You don't want like the top of the head touching the, you know, the, the thing. So they'll, uh, you know, things move around in print. It's not perfect, it, you know, and so you want to be careful that this person, when they've designed for the bleed, they don't have the top of the head touching the top uh, edge of the book, you know, and things. So I like to have about half an inch safe area inside just I don't know if you know anything about video production but you know mm-hmm. you you don't want you know there's a safe area with illustration as well if you have a, a full page illustration and something really cool is going on over here it might end up in the gutter and you know it's sewn into a binding and uh, you know if if you can have them compose in a certain way uh, then it's not going to ruin that il- illustration yeah in yeah, illustration we call it a live area yeah like there's there's the part that gets trimmed off, and then inside of that there's the part that you don't want anything important in. Mm-hmm. You want all your focus within this extra space, so it doesn't crop off the edge or anything like that. 
what did you call that again? Uh, live area. Yeah. yeah if, you ever, if you look up uh, comic book pages, like just like the templates for comic book pages, they have like they'll have a trim line right on there. They'll have a live area. They'll have all that, so you can get an idea of what it is. Mm-hmm. But that's a specific size, but it has the same idea. Uh, in the back. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about what you said about. Okay. RPGs, right. Uh, board games and card games, and I recently dealt um, with a barter. I was going to edit his novel. He was going to do my illustrations, and he did the first illustration. It, it totally, you know, left out two characters that I had told him to. Yeah. Oh, okay. that, that's that's why you want them to do thumbnails and sketches. You want yeah. them to, to go through. The it's it's iterative, right? But you know, I mean, you can make changes and suggestions, but the, in terms of an artist being, you know. We get very attached to our work, and it, it's a good way to, to kill a relationship is to micromanage. Um, yeah. That kind of yeah. Sketch, yeah. He sent me, you know, the black and white sketch, but uh, by email. But I don't understand what you mean by a thumbnail. A, a thumbnail is just a, it's a very small rough drawing. Um, it, it's, it's you, you can see, yeah, very small. It might be, you know, an inch by two inches, and it's just like a slight indication, and it shows you the composition and the elements without getting bogged down in the details. Yeah, like I, I uh, free reign probably isn't the white, right way yeah, to go about it, say it, but don't micromanage is yeah. a good way to say it. Don't tell them exactly how to pose and everything, the characters, unless that's crucial to the story element. Give them lots of story information. What characters you want in it? What you want? It, anything specific that needs to be in the background, or right, or a specific mm-hmm. scenario for the background, Story, yeah. and then they can work from from there. I um, mean, you're in the beginning stages. Specific image in mind. You know, it, it, it's my board game. It's my card game. I but, have a specific. You know, if I could draw and, and take this in my head and put it on paper, it would be perfect. But I can't. So if I tell them how I want it. If you pay me enough, I will make it exactly how you want it. Okay, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. very yeah. much more, <laughs> and it, it'll cost you even more the second time I work with you. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true story. But there's that joke going on around the internet. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the, there's this diagram they keep showing that, that I keep seeing among my artists and consultant friends where. They're like, if you just let me do it, it's fifty dollars, and then for every amount of input that you have, yeah. it doubles. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't like, like too much free reign because then I have no focus of which direction to right. go. Right. Like, if you tell me to draw a guy in an action pose, well, is he flying? Is he fighting? Is he a boxer? Is he a martial artist? You know, mm-hmm. does he have guns? You know, yeah. like there's too much freedom. Like, I don't know which direction to head. One of the things you can also do, I'm an illustrator, professional okay. illustrator, um, and one of the things you can also do if you want a very particular style is you can look up thumbnails and just draw one yourself. Like it's, you can use stick figures. Oh, yeah. Just, I can draw stick figures. Or, or squiggles. Scribbles, or yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even um, if it's not completely clear, if you give that to the artist, well, they can try and interpret mm-hmm. it and send you back a thumbnail I right. think, of, is I this what you're looking for? I think in the stages of the, of the production, I think... At that point, you should be, you know, like you do. You, you, the artist will work up something, and then he gives it to you, and you say, "Well, you, you kind of missed a character." I don't, an artist isn't going to be upset with that. I don't. 
I don't feel like they, they yeah, will. I yeah. wouldn't be. You know, I mean, um, definitely that's the kind of input we're looking for in order to make the product you want. But how do I know if I'm, you know, where do I draw the line between providing enough information and clarity and background and research and micromanaging? Well, I mean, you know, like because it's all up front. If you start telling the artist to go like this with the hand versus going like this with the hand versus going like this with the hand, you know, that can get a little micromanaging. But you know, general concepts are are not a bad idea. And if someone gave me something really specific, what I would do is I would do a thumbnail or sketch of that specific thing they would want, and then take my own take on it. Like you know, I could do what they give me a specific concept. I could take that and move the camera in many different ways and have my own design out of that. You know, it's all it's all angle. Like, I mean, I don't know how well you can see this, but I got three thumbnails right here yeah. of, of one person in the foreground and one person in the background. In two minutes. And, they're, and, they're, right. and while we were discussing, yeah. and they're all, mm-hmm. you know, different angles, different layouts, you know. And I'll often do, like, 20 or 30 yeah, of these depending right. on it and then send the, send the client a handful of right. It's sort of interject. It's all about timing. You don't want to be wasting the artist's time. Yeah. So you're trying to give them the information that they need to sort of know what they're doing. So they're not waste drawing out more detail than they have to. Like yeah. Well, the the idea is a lot of correspondence mm-hmm. in the beginning to make sure before they get to the detail mm-hmm. that they have what you want. Will save the artist time, and the artist's time is money. You don't, you, wanna, right. you don't want to wait until the couch is already moved right. the way the last yeah. to tell them to move it a yeah. little bit more, it, right? Like, if, if, like think, think of it, I mean, digital is big these days, and its, it's advantage is it's a lot more changeable, but mm-hmm. not everybody works in it. If I did a finished oil painting, and you moved a character from the left side of the, the painting to the right, that's a lot more work, and mm-hmm. that's, that's... That's almost a, redoing the whole thing. That's almost redoing the whole <coughs> thing. That's almost a charge for a whole new piece. Right. Um, one one of the things also with the you know how how do you know how much is micromanaging it? Um, it it really depends on your attitude and who you're working with and you know if if you have a very specific thing, um, if you're a very artistic person and you have a lot of experience and you look at art and you just happen to not be able to draw but you have a degree in art history, that's one thing. But you should also trust that you know especially as a as a graphic designer uh, who has a background in illustration and photography. Um, you're hiring me because of my expertise. You're hiring the artist because they're a kick-ass artist. And if, if you don't trust them, then you should really rethink why you're hiring that person. Yeah. If you have something specific in mind, definitely tell us. But don't, don't be opposed to us taking that to another level. Taking that... You know, some of it could be you have this person punching this person and, the, and they're falling over mm-hmm. or something like that, but you have it as a straight angle. Well, if I tilt it, and what they call a tilt shot, that right, can make the whole right. scene much more interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's still exactly what you asked for. It's just, you know, puts more dynamic to it. So you were talking about buy-in, and that's yes. something I really, really want for my artists. Um, I have a whole sounding board for like artists, because I know that to get what I want, I'm going to need more than one artist. Yeah. So I, I need uh, some consensus and like theme and like vision. Um, so I just throw up anything that I feel like holds to that, that thing, just for people to mm-hmm. pull for inspiration. But um, for a game, how important do you think it is for like the artist to be familiar with the game? Uh, not necessarily. They should be familiar with the type of fiction that the game is supposed to emulate. 
Uh, I mean, what 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 kind of game are you talking about specifically? So I've been uh, the type of game I'm making is a role playing game. Okay. And it's focused in modern fantasy. All right. But it's on a much grittier kind okay. of sort of um, uh, the wire kind of level. Yeah. And at the same time, a lot of the artists that I run into, while some of them are familiar with modern fantasy, mm-hmm. it, depending on the style, sometimes they're much more from like a comic book. Right. Angle sure. And stuff. They don't always have that that in mind. Um, and the other thing is I've noticed that usually when they're invested, emotionally invested with something, they're so much faster. Right. And, yeah. And just better mm-hmm. about it. And so I'm like, I, I'm, I'm looking for tips on how to court that. Um, well, I mean, you know, so you should really choose your artist based on past work. Instead of saying, hey, I have a friend who can draw, you should look at Behance and Dribble and DeviantArt and Pinterest and Tumblr and if you're really serious about being an art director, you should act like an art director. Well, you, you know, go, get the Spectrum manuals. If, if yeah, you, I'm yeah. not an art director. Yeah. Our, um, our art director passed away. But. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, find somebody who works in that style that you like and, and use them. Um, or, you know, let, let go of the, you know, like the control of, of having it match your vision and think, well, maybe, you know, like maybe this is close enough. Oh, I'm not very picky. Yeah, okay. just, there you go, right? I just, that's what the sounding board's there yeah. for. It's like, okay, guys, just look at this. this right. Is our general thing. But and I think examples are a good thing for an artist. Definitely. Like, I mean, they're yeah. not going to, you know, just to see an example of somebody, what you're looking for, you know, like, oh, we're kind of looking in, kind of in this way. Look. Yeah. That's and, helpful. And, yeah. I, and I've said this in past panels. If what you are, you're telling the artist you're looking for can be telling them one of their pieces... That makes it even clearer. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, so this is this is something that I was thinking about in terms of, of saving money. Um, instead of commissioning art, new art, uh, go somewhere like DeviantArt, and hopefully the artist. You know, if you see something you like, ask the artist if yeah. you can license it. Instead of paying them for a full illustration, you're just saying, "Hey, can I, you know, give you a hundred bucks or a couple of hundred bucks for this this beautiful digital painting? Is it this size?" Um, you know, yeah. can you change this one detail if I throw in an extra 50? You don't steal their white rights from them. You know, you just license it for your product. And there's so many amazing artists out there. Um, now, one thing that I will ask you guys as, as a professional is don't try to pay them with exposure. Don't try to get a good deal. You know, treat them fairly because that's what's going to ensure that, you know, you're going to be able to work with them again in five years and they, they haven't taken this soul-killing corporate job like I had once upon a time. What about uh, making them a partner on the project? You know... That's about equivalent to experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to somebody earlier today about that. It's like, you know, the, this person is putting in... So it takes a lot of time. To do art, and and I want to, it, I, I you guys yeah, will probably I, agree with I, me. I can give you an example. Yeah. Anything painterly that I do, which you know, looks like an oil painting or, or to that style, whether it be in oil or digital, an average piece with multiple subjects in it will take me at least twenty hours. Yeah, you work fast. Oh, no. Well, no, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I know I, a lot of people. Yeah. It's like it's a for a, a oh, cover yeah. painting. It's like forty hours at least. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, if what I mean is that they would own a substantial portion of the game. Yeah, well, but that's like, that's a gamble. That's still, that's still the same gamble as exposure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have like, a Kickstarter that gets funded and they create the art after that, the, you know, then you, then, you then yeah, that would be great. But um, so the the thing to keep in mind is there is no such. I don't believe there's anything as talent. 
there it's a skill so as an artist if someone says you're so talented that's like oh, it's not magic man I, I've spent yeah. years yeah, and years hunting problem. these things yeah. and and it, it you know there's a lot of time uh, emotional energy sacrifices I made yeah. to be able to do this it's valuable you know, it. We don't just sit down and have fun. I mean, being an artist. Sometimes it, it's fun. Yeah, sometimes though. it's yeah. fun, but yeah. but like it's, it's hard work. work. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster creating a great piece of art. Um, and so, you know, that I think that deserves some compensation. Yeah. And as artists, a lot of times we've made this decision. It's almost like a vow of poverty to be an artist because we love it so much. Mm-hmm. And you know, part of you as being game publishers is you're kind of taking the role of patron. You are allowing an artist to create create art. You're in a you're in a partnership with them. You're publishing art. You know it's a beautiful thing. So you know if if you can afford to pay them a little bit extra, you can you know because the world needs more artists, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, that, I find that the prices that people are charging on like deviant art are way too low yeah. for their amount of time. It's yeah. there's so many amateurs out there that are very skilled amateurs. They, it's just that they're coming right out of high school. They have a lot of time, mm-hmm. and they haven't thought about how much their time yeah. is valuable. Right. Yeah. Like, and so you'll see people, piece. Yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. 50 bucks I had for someone a offer me piece. fifty bucks for. Uh, I just did the math real quick. I, I just had someone offer me fifty bucks for a full finished piece. Uh, in the past, I have, and uh, I'm like, well, if that piece took me twenty hours, you're paying me two fifty an hour. That's yeah. well beyond what someone is making, even. Waiters and wait staff make that, you know, when they, you know, that's unfair too, but, (laughs) and they get tipped. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody wanted me to do poster work for them just recently and they were like, oh yeah, just one. And they just kept going, oh, and add this and can I have this? And I want it by the end of the week. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I have to watch up. Actually, that that brings me uh, to another point with a... Time and saving money. Yeah. Um, if you if you want it fast, you will incur a rush charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we have um, to actually put our life on hold. It's not like yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have interest too. I will probably have, <laughs> I, I will have to probably take vacation from my other job right. to get something done yeah. fast. And frankly, us, I don't like to do things fast because it hurts the quality. Yes, right. and you don't have time to like, um, think about the process and how it's. Some, sometimes I will, if you give me a, a piece and you give me plenty of time to work on it, I might give you a discount, you know? <laughs> if you don't, if you know you need, you want it for this convention, but it's in two weeks and you want five pieces, don't expect it. If you want one piece in two weeks, don't necessarily expect it because even the correspondence can make that take too long, you know? <laughs> it's the old clip of a good, fast... Yeah, exactly. that's one of the things yeah. I was going to yeah. bring up. <laughs> and I found yeah. that the reverse yeah. sort of is true, too. When you're going around and you're finding those amateurs on, like, uh, on um, DeviantArt and what used to be GitHub, um, and they're charging you only, like, 40 or $60 for what is, like, a finished piece, chances are you... Sometimes they'll get back to you in like a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah. but chances are they're doing it whenever. And so you could be like, "Well, I was expecting that to be done in like a month, and it's really it took four months." Right. Away. I'll, I'll they'll get back to you. you yeah. know, it's also, like, don't expect us to know your deadlines. Right? Yeah. tell us That's your true. deadlines. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so who here? I mean, basically has no budget. I mean, in terms of our okay, so. Um, 
and I've I've worked I've done design for people who have no budget and like I love to use great typefaces you know in my layout and and uh, really great typefaces are hard to find without paying money so uh, yeah you know, they might be free for home yeah. use but if you read the fine print most right. of them say for a commercial use it costs this right um, so you know th- there's there's that kind of thing and uh, but. Having good art in your game for free basically means you have to do your homework. Um, if like if there's like a fantasy like, for your kind of game, it's going to be really hard to find to, to ethically use that kind of art without exploiting somebody who doesn't know any better. Um, but if you're doing like a, a fantasy game, uh, any kind of I mean, there's um, I think the British Museum and the Getty Museum. There are all these uh, like great art museums who have started releasing their catalogs, high quality scans. Um, if if your printing budget is really low as well, and you're just printing in black and white, or you're you know you're doing a PDF that you expect people to to you know print out without using all the color ink. Uh, there's lo- I mean, we have you know a thousand years of woodcuts. And, and engravings and etchings yeah. that you can use, and you can do some really cool yeah. stuff with that. Things that are public domain. Yeah, public. Yeah, at. public domain. Um, type in you know public domain <coughs> woodcut, and there's some. Um, I think it was uh, uh, John Ford's uh, RP tools. He I did a few PDFs for him, and he didn't have much of a budget for that. And I took a bunch of woodcuts of like you know out of like some medieval manuscript on werewolves. And, you know, there's, like, wolves chasing some guy with a sword in front of a castle. And, you know, you, it looks great. You, you, you put it over, you know, like, a, you know, a red background over some parchment, do a couple of layers in Photoshop. And, uh, you know, you, you put a nice title on there. Um, and and it, looks, it looks great. Uh, are you guys also doing your own layout? Or? No way. No way? Okay, good. <laughs> um. But I mean, yeah. Look, look for public domain art, and, uh, and that's that's another way to yeah. do it. Is you could use, you you could hire for some of the key pieces of art and use public domain to fill the other spots right. you don't have the budget for. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to to balance your. And I think color on black and white versus black. And oh white. Yeah, yeah, that's it's definitely big. color Jeez. cover. If if you really have yeah. no budget. Black and white throughout. If if you can get a color cover and black and white right. interiors. Yeah. One of the things that I've been talking about to minimize costs, um, even if, when you're going to like a, something that's really expensive, you'll notice white wool. Most of the illustrations were black and white. Right. Um, so that's that's still high end on the production value, but there that that there's a cost reason. For that. Right. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So what I was thinking yeah. is is for my own book, one of the things that when you're going to black and white, grayscale doesn't work as well is. Is perfect contrast, yeah. And you'll see that, like Mike Mignola, he's playing who does Hellboy. Yeah. You'll look at his art; he's playing for the fact that, like his, like comic book style, like printing, and, and he's he's printing for his medium. And I think art, like when you're picking art for your books, that's yeah. Pick for your in, medium. Yeah. Inkline does reproduce much easier. It's aesthetically, mm-hmm. black and white, just sharp black <laughs> and white, looks so much better than grayscale. Grayscale always looks like you know a newspaper photograph yeah, to me. Yeah, and yeah. so I would stay it away from that. Depends on your printing house. It, but, yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. you know, generally speaking, it's I mean, it, just the aesthetics of something that's black and white, you know, pen and ink, it takes a lot less time. If someone wants me to do, you know, a photorealistic rendering of something, it's going to take a lot more time. Um, something that's black and white, it doesn't have to be realistic. It can be that Mike <laughs> Mignola, 
style of art that's very kind of expressionistic. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to look like, uh, you know, Larry Elmore. You know, it can be something that's a little more modern or a little more retro. Um, you know, so part of my, my personal soapbox as far as role-playing book design, um, I think there's a big problem with the book and the art following this kind of insular tradition where if it's a fantasy role-playing game, they all look the same. You know, there's look look at other books. I mean, it's it's a mixture of an instructional manual and a reference document. And so, go outside the tradition. Look at what other industries are doing with their books. You know, look look at comic books that have nothing to do with your genre. You know, look at children's books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God forbid you should look at some art books. Look at art history. See what else is going on. I mean, you know, could you do a a fantasy illustration in the style of like you know uh, 1920s German expressionism? You know, I mean, what kind of look at the art and have that influence your game? I mean, there's some and there's some beautiful, you know, beautiful lesser known paintings by great artists that are in public domain um, that you you could look into that. I mean, some great portraits of um, some really cool stuff. I mean, you know, going way back. I mean, there's some uh, like the 18th century in particular. You have this, you know, kind of pre-Raphaelite movement, the symbolist movement, you know, Waterhouse and um, uh, Gabriel uh, Dante Gabriel Rossetti, and you have all these really awesome paintings of kind of medieval fantasy scenes, and uh, you know you see them sometimes. But I mean, there's some there's some really cool stuff, really cool stuff you guys can put in your work. Can you talk more about this like public domain stuff? I'm not familiar with any. Yeah, um, it's it's like, basically. Uh, you can okay. Um, just Do just you know Google. What the, term mean, the what term public domain is? Uh, yeah, that it's basically available for public. Right. Domain. Yeah, <laughs> it's Sorry, it, it's basically that there. It's old. It's essentially old enough that the, um, the rights no longer belong to anyone. That's why there's so many Lovecraft games because you don't have to pay for all the right. on it. Yeah, yeah. Lovecraft yeah. just recently went into I'm public domain. I'm surprised nobody's been pulling on. Um, uh, Little Nemo, who went into public domain oh, yeah. about like five, ten years ago. Right. Like, yeah. How long are we talking? Um, I believe the rule is years? Seven, uh, I think it's ninety years I'm after the author's no, death. It okay. Keeps expanding because of Disney. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, okay. Because of DC Comics, yeah. Disney teams up with DC Comics because um, Mickey Mouse was one year and Superman was the next. Right, well, so Warner Brothers and Disney won't let it. Yeah, well, it. and you you can also look at, at artists who have uh, created stock art, um, and you know. So I think there's several artists on RPG now that have created collections of stock art. Or um, it's a few of them are on Patreon. Uh, yeah, Patreon. right. Daniel Solis focuses mostly on card games, but he does a lot of iconography right. for for games that he just puts up on Patreon. So there's there's, there's stuff out there. How are we done on time? We got like fifteen minutes yet. Fifteen? Twenty. Twenty. All right. Um, let's see. So uh, there was something else about. Um, and we actually hit a lot of it already. Oh, uh, so so just in terms of printing and production, um, you can get color without being full color. Uh, you can sure. print with spot inks. You don't have to use four inks. You can use three inks. You can use two inks. Mm-hmm. So you know, for your interior, um, you could do. Uh, you don't have to use white paper. Or you can use extremely white paper. 
you can do some really cool stuff with, uh, I mean, talk to your graphic designer because we love stuff like this. Um, you know, you have an illustration that's, that's, you know, like just start black and white and, you know, it's a, it's a fight scene and the guy gets stabbed in the heart and there's a spot of just red. You know, like like these. Frank you, Miller's kind of yeah, style. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's and, big, yeah. and and look at that. When you look at art, you know, really, you know, it's yeah, it's, yeah. you know, like look at the style of it. You know, really kind of get into that feel of like, is this? You know, why is this interesting? Why am I drawn to this? You know, you can take pure black and white, and put it on a sepia page, now it looks like right. parchment. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Just drop the opacity mm-hmm. on the black, and then you have. Yeah, you now have a, still a one color. Yeah, you know, it's a one color job on a color stock that right. dropped your cost dramatically. Yeah. You you can also uh, do collages with public domain photographs and clip art, uh, stock art, and stuff like that. Um, you hire somebody who's good at Photoshop and has a good eye, and you know you get this really kind of funky illustration. Um, you know, it won't cost as much as, as starting from scratch. Uh, you're repurposing things, and it would look really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. The one the one color job yeah. will save a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're basically um, just taking that color and just dropping it. Yeah, like yeah. in a press, we'll have, in a printing press, they'll actually have, for a four color job, they'll actually have four huge tanks right. of ink. Uh-huh. If they only have to fill one of them, they charge you a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, when you're doing that, it, it, um, it there's, uh, Specific types of uh, Pantone makes various types of colors of ink, and so uh, you would want to go to your printer if possible. And this isn't something you can do with print on demand. This is something if yeah. you have an offset print run. Um, but yeah, you'd want to go to your to your printer and see if you can look at their Pantone book and choose these colors, or hire somebody who's doing your layout to choose these colors. Yeah. Rob Donahue, I think yesterday or maybe it was this morning, I can't remember. He brought up something that's really <coughs> important related to that, which is check your proofs. Yeah. Like so many games have been printed, and you look at them and they're unreadable. Mm-hmm. And this is major mistakes that major game companies made. Um, White Wolf, when they reprinted Mage, not the most recent one, I haven't looked at that one, but Mage the Awakening, when you look at that first print, it's gold text on gold uh, text on like a, with a, a really uh, spiraling like font on a sepia background. Mm-hmm. It's unreadable. Right. It's just sort of like, what is, what is even going on here? Like, See, I have totally like, different typographic opinions about that. Which, yeah. like, maybe but, next year I'll have a panel on, you know, the sins of typography. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, pitch it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, with with that, it's contrast. Mm-hmm. You want enough contrast that the text is readable, whether the text is light and the background's darker, or vice versa. You know, you need that enough contrast to make it readable. Um, and that's the same thing with the art too. You know, you want to you want to make sure that the art it's not just uh, a painting, but the painting will read in reproduction. Because something that looks great on your screen might look like absolute shit when it's printed, especially on cheaper paper. Um, I've seen lots of really detailed black and white or grayscale uh, paintings that you know that you hit that cheap paper and the ink spreads and all the detail just goes to. Um, Back to more like budget. Yeah. Um, how many people are planning on crowdsourcing for their game? Oh, for for the funding, not for, for the, the funding. Art. Okay. Yeah. For the funding. Um, I'm half on that. I, I started it, thrilled on it, and then the more and more I think about it, the more I feel like I could just court actual publishers and investors. 
Yeah, um, crowdsourcing is a way to go, but you know, take your art in- account in- into your budget. Mm-hmm. Talk to artists beforehand. Find out what they want. You know, make a budget of how much you need before you go to the the print house, and maybe see how much you can afford to buy art wise beforehand. And what you would need to use the crowdsourcing right. to pay for the end. It, 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 for a lot of the games that I work on, the, the art is uh, very important as a stretch goal. Right. So you know we'll have you know new full color painting by so and so, or you know extra you know extra fancy character sheets by Brennan Reese or whatever. You know you're, you're, you you want to build that into your funding because I mean if art's really that important to your game, then the people who are really interested in your game will agree with that. Yeah. Well, I mean that's because art is a sunk fixed cost. Is important for, for 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 budgeting, which is the mistake you keep seeing a lot of these people on Kickstarter making is that they'll put as their stretch goals things that are variable costs. Art you you pay the artist once you get it you, you get the art, but if you're saying like oh well if if we get reach this thing we're going to give everyone a bag of dice, then that's just chipping off of that thing, and there's a good chance that somewhere along the line you screwed up your math yep. as far as the money, someone's yeah. going to get burned. So. Can you talk about so if somebody does like, like a crowdsource project and they want to go to an artist ahead of time? How I mean, is you don't know if the project, how well the project's going to do, and of course, I mean, are you just going to hold off on taking work? I wouldn't think I, so. Right? I, I what I really what I really love um, what I, so as a designer, what I like is this never happens. But in an ideal world, I would get uh, the final text. And or or at least almost final text, and they would put me in touch with the artist from the very beginning, because uh, doing layout, it's you know I get art that may not work sometimes. I need to be able to fight with the artist because the figure's facing the wrong direction on this. So I don't need the guy like looking off yeah. the page. And um, but uh, I I would prefer to wait a little bit later. And if you know, and and the and the the workflow to to get the art in, um, I kind of have a problem with people who aren't qualified to choose art, choosing art, because I think the book suffers. I, I think if you have put your life into designing this game, and it's your dream to have it right, and you're going to raise money, you want to present it as well as possible. It's like you know, uh, showing up to a job interview for your dream job just like a bum. Or, you know, if you know you don't have the greatest fashion sense, like me, uh, you know, like you want to, you want to, you know, you want to present yourself in the best way possible. So if you want your game to be absolutely awesome, it's worth, you know, hiring professionals to help you with that or spending a lot of time. I mean, you could, you guys could all learn how to use InDesign and, but it's going to take years. And, you know, um, if your game's really that important to you, you know, I, do it, you know. Put, show me, show me it's important. Show it to your to your uh, your audience how important it is. I want I want this great art. I want this great design. I'm going to hire somebody who's an expert to make it look the best way I possibly can, because I care. You might still need more in design. You might still, yeah, and it helps when the writer does know because that means I don't have to do all the boring stuff. I can just do the fun design stuff. Um, I, with crowdsourcing, another thing you can do. One project I worked on. Uh, I don't know how many saw a couple years ago. There was a game called Fire at Will. I did all the artwork for that, except the logo because I suck at logos. So I told you should them, call me next time. Yeah. yeah all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they paid me for card art and 
uh, a cover drawing, a black and white for the cover. They used that to promote the game, and then if it funded, they were going to pay me to do other stuff. So, I mean, it's enough art to get to get a feeling there and get people to to commit on it and then, you know, move from there. I would just hate, I mean, I don't know the process, but I would right. hate to put someone's name and be like, hey, so-and-so's going to help on the project. Well, and of course, then they find work in the month or two right. between that conversation and any actual, co- you know, commission. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm usually willing to still work on the project, but if I have another job, that's just got to right. come first. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So I, I personally... Sometimes I, can, sometimes I can do two in tandem, depending on do, the do amount you, of detail. Do you take advances when you, you work? I was, I was just yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I always... I yeah, I, I require, for everything I do, even people I trust, I always require 50% up front. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah I, I, charge, I charge a good amount for my work. Um and I, you know, I basically, if I work on everything and they flake out and the game doesn't get finished, which has happened a few times, yeah, I still get paid. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, later on, if they want to come back, and it's like, yeah, well, we can pick that up again, you know. Um, yeah. But, uh, so, if you, if you, when you're, when you're doing, like, uh, crowdfunding, um, from a lot of the stuff I've seen, it's a good idea to go ahead and have the game finished. And, and, you know, so that, and you can say, hey, guys, you, if you fund this, if you, you know, back this Kickstarter, as soon as you do this, you're going to get a PDF of a playable game. And what you're doing is you're basically paying for this really cool stuff. Um, so, you know, by the end of that month, it funds and you can do this. And, you know, people, in my experience, uh, at least in the kind of indie RPG world that I'm in, a lot of people, they're really, you know, they want the artifact, but they also just want to play the damn game, you know? So give that to them, and, and uh, then it, it buys a little bit of time for the artist. Yeah, that's, and, that's, a good yeah. Way, that's a good way to buy time for yeah. the art. If you give them something right up front right. when it funds, and then they just have to wait for the, the full right. process to be finished. And we send and out... be, be yeah. open about that, you know, tell... Right. Well, tell we send out iterative PDFs, so as we get more art and, you know, we do corrections or I do a new character sheet or there's a new map, it's like, well, here's an updated version of the document. So these people, they're seeing it and uh, we ask them for input, you know? So, like, do you... Uh, did you find any typos or, or are there any bits of text that are unclear? And so they're all kind of part of the process. Also consider if you don't have any art or you don't have a whole lot of it up in the beginning, then it's hard to tell how much money you need to kickstart because that's going to change printing costs. It's going to change page uh, length. It's going to change a whole bunch of stuff when you get more art to add to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, crowdsourcing with part partial paid for art up front with using the funding to pay for the rest right. of the art is definitely a yeah. good way to budget yeah. it yeah. because you're still paying as much as if you paid for it up front. Right. You're just well, making some of your revenue before you pay for it. Uh, yeah. Also, if if you if you art direct the right way and you get thumbnails and them sketches and you get sketches for all of them, you can place those temporarily in the document so they get a feel for what it's going to be. I'm going to be very controversial uh-huh. now about about art. The best way to save money on art is not to use art. It's you can use typography, so you can do amazing things with layout and you can be extremely creative with color and type. And if you hire a really good graphic designer who knows their way around like the tradition of typography and you can do some really really cool stuff without having a single piece of art in there because good graphic design is art it's a science it's a craft but you know you can like for your type of game i mean i'm sure i could do something super interesting without any art at all 
street sign certainly yeah. invoke an urban right. Thing. You know, take some take some distress. You know, distress the typeface. Uh, do some interesting textures behind something. Layers. Yeah, I mean, you know, give me Furiosa Black and a couple of spot colors, and I can give you some really cool images, yeah. evocative images. And to yeah, and then if you take the the two and you go in between there, yeah. you can use what he's saying to limit the amount of pieces you need, which lowers your budget. Right. And uh, then you can have a couple really nice pieces of, of illustration yeah. and then use the typography and, to take and, care and of there's And there's nothing wrong with white space on a page. And this is something that, that uh, like, fantasy role-playing games in particular um, have, have a problem with. Paper is beautiful, right? And there's, you know, I, I like, when I lay out my books, I like lots of generous white space. Not everything, I'm, I'm okay with there being a blank third of a page and then starting on the next page for, like, the structure of the document. You're reminding me of how, uh, if any of you guys have played Dungeons & Dragons, but I bet a lot of you have, in the last, like, ten years, when you're flipping through a Wizards of the Coast book, anytime there's any white space, they just have, like, a random yeah. picture of, like, a severed hand or something. They've used, like, five or six times in other books. They just are absolutely afraid of the void. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, white space is a beautiful thing, and if, you, if you're okay with that, then you can take your... I, I think that it's a lot better to have, like, a couple or a few really amazing pieces that the artist has been able to take some time on and make really beautiful and really evoke the kind of fiction you're, you're trying to, to portray with your game than to have a bunch of kind of half-assed, uh, you know, spot illustrations to fill up blank space. Nobody's going to look at your page and say, oh, my God, they left that blank space because that, you know, it... White space is luxurious. It makes the game look more expensive. You know, paper makes the game look more expensive than it is. Use use proper margins. You know, your text area. You don't have to have five columns. You know. Um, we have about five minutes left. Is there any oh. specific questions? There, I think uh, in in the back, you guys. Did you have some questions? Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and you had sure. does anybody else anyone they've been good questions though. yeah um, have you guys talked about like a copyright issue oh, oh oh that's a good yeah. point mm. um, level of rights um, if you want complete rights to the piece like everything it's going to cost you more yeah if you want rights for just this one usage of it, it's going to cost you less. You don't need to... If you're thinking in the future, I want to do, like, T-shirts and this and that and this and that, you can go back to the artist and, and pay for it then. You don't have to buy everything up front just because you're worried that they might use it for something else. Mm-hmm. But for your cover, you might want to have the full rights to that. No, you don't no, even need them for that. that. You can have... You can have exclusive rights. What some uh, companies have worked with me have said, you can use, uh, I want rights to this image, just don't use it in another game. Right. Don't use it in my direct competition. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so that, that's a way to, to yeah, do it. That's what our contract looks like. Yeah, um, we're not going to use it in direct competition or anything like that. I've said it in other panels. I'll say it again. Do not do work for hire. Work for hire is not fair to the artists, and they won't want to work with you. Work for Hire is very similar to Full Rights, except Work for Hire actually strips the artist of authorship of the piece. So you don't even have to put my name on it. And technically you even own the original, if if there was an original painting, a physical painting, you would own that too. 
and I will charge two to three times for that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did have another idea, which is, and I'm, I think I already know the answer, but just to be 100% clear. If, say, um, I hire you to do, say, a uh, cover that I'm planning to focus heavily on the, um, uh, and, and, yeah, for my cover, for my um, but then I also want to use that prominently on my website, not just as in the cover of the book. I'm assuming that's going to add to the yep. cost of licensing. Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I did something with a uh, with Fire at Will. I did something like that where they, in the original contract, they're like, "Well, there's nothing for crowdsourcing or websites and stuff like that." I'm like, "Well, to me, that's just free advertising right. for myself. Yeah. So I'm not going to charge you extra for that for you to just show the piece advertising the work I'm doing. I don't really see a need for that." Okay. Ba- basically, if you're making more money off of my art, if you're putting it on a T-shirt mm-hmm. and you're selling it, and it's my art that's selling the T-shirt then I would like to make more money yeah. off of it. If all you're doing is advertising your product, which will get my name out there more, and you're not making money specifically because of that, I, I probably will just add it into the contract, which is what I did with Fire at Will. I just added it into the contract. That, that was basically my follow-up. It was like, you know, all those little advertising handouts, the pamphlets, yeah. the websites, the advertising banners. I mean... A lot of times you see that cover art being prominently used on social media's little thumbnails and everything. And is that something, is that exactly what you're talking about? Like, that's usually okay because you're yeah. really, we're both, it's it, a win-win. It's okay with me. I, I mean, usually, you know, um, and part of that, yeah, I mean, part of that comes yeah. from the, the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who's taking those things and making the, the assets for the website also. Um, it really, I mean, it really depends on what tradition the illustrator's from too like somebody who's maybe not used to doing role playing games they maybe are doing magazine illustration or they're doing like uh, some sort of corporate like annual report they will probably be much more strict about it um, you know because it's not an industry they love I mean um, uh, I I know so I make about a third of my income uh, doing illustration and layout for role playing games um I'm not in it for the money, though. I, I'm going to make money, damn it. Uh, but that's not why. If you know, I mean, I could, I could do, I could freelance for the pharmaceutical industry, but I don't want to do that. I love these games. You know, I want to see more games. I want to see more interesting art. Um, if if I know that somebody is creating a game because they love it and they're passionate about it, and it's a game about subject matter I'm passionate about, I'm going to want to help them. Oh, in terms of in terms of pricing, I'll, I'll, I don't know what you guys do. Um, I basically have a pricing spectrum. Uh, I will say this is how much it will cost for me to not lose my ass. All right, this is the most I can charge without feeling like an asshole. Um, if if I charge any more than this, I'm going to feel unethical. If I charge any less than this, you're going to be unethical. I'll say I will accept anything along the spectrum. And you know, if somebody pays me what I call the stupid price. Um, they're going to end up getting a lot better art and service if someone ends up paying me less. But I will generally try to work within your budget within certain constraints. What do you see as, like, the average price constraints <clears throat> certain pieces? Oh, you know, like, I, I'll do a, a spot. I mean, I can work pretty fast depending on the detail. And so, like, I'll do, like, a, a little character portrait for 50 bucks if it's slightly more involved, like, hunch. Usually spot illustrations I charge around, you know, like, 150 $200. Um, if I'm doing, like, a pen and ink cover, 
you know, with lots of cross-hatching and stuff, um, if I'm doing custom lettering, I don't know, probably anywhere between 1500 and three grand. <laughs> Um, so what, what would you consider a full co- full cover, full color? You know, I my own my own style. I don't really do full color. Um, I like you know I like black and white. I like stark modernist type stuff. Um, yeah. Full color covers. I'm probably starting at five or six hundred because it's gonna be, if it's a painting. Yeah. Well, let's say full color cover art painting. So you know how I'm putting a lot of detail yeah. into it. That that brings into the fact that, you know, I'm putting more time in this than, to this than I would put into an interior illustration. It's I put in the time for it to be something that's going to draw someone to the game. It's the first thing they see. You know, this is a very important piece. It gets more attention, more everything else, so it goes up there. It, you know, it's going to be a lot more than an interior. Yeah. Even if it's the same, even if it's the same style of art, it's still going to be a lot more for a cover than an interior. Um, I think we're about out of time. Yeah, yeah I think we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Scott and I are in Artist Alley. Feel free to come and talk to us. Uh, any other questions? You can. If you if you want to see my design work, I have uh, I think Night Witches is in with all the books and games and the clay that woke and that's you know my kind of get your business card. I actually I don't have business cards. Um, I should uh, look me up on Google Plus. Yes. Okay, I have them, but oh, I left them in my you. art table, so you can go <laughs> if anybody wants. Do you want to see any of my work? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I'm a Chapel Hill guy. So. Yeah, cool. And uh, apparently, Jason wants to start gaming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you'll, you'll hear a lot about me. Yeah. But you also seem to have a similar aesthetic. That, that, that's a good thing. Good place to start. Yeah. Cool. Thanks a lot.